Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Good morning, everyone. My name is Joanna. If we haven't met, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I never know what to say in this awkward in-between time, which is, I still feel like it's Christmas. I hope you do too. Uh, I am so glad that today we're telling stories, uh, stories of what God has done, what God is doing amongst us. As the communications director here and in my my research in communications and my research in theology and my studies over the many, many years that I've been in this field, I've learned about the power of story the power and impact of a story to communicate something far bigger than itself. And so we're talking today about story. See, story is currency in our culture. What I mean by that is story is a tool and it's used to achieve things that we desire. So someone like Donald Trump uses stories, for better and for worse, to tell the story he likes to tell about himself. Whether, whether we agree or not, that's up to all of us to decide, but he tells a story. And the Kardashians tell a story on the reality TV show, and on Instagram we tell a story of our own life, and on blogs we write stories, and we read stories, and audiobooks, and podcasts, and blogs, and Anybody binge on Netflix stuff sometime over the last few days? A lot of us go into a a television watching cave between Christmas and New Year's. I've done a little bit of that. Netflix and building a puzzle. That has been my life in the last few days. I don't know about you. But we love stories and they capture us. But because story is powerful... Uh, For those of us who are Christians, our stories can be used to draw people to a hunger, a curiosity, an encouragement in their faith, maybe even questions and response to who Jesus is. There's this text in 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, and often when I've read this or been told about this, it felt a little bit more like a pop quiz was happening. Um, But 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, it says, In your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready with your story. This, this encouragement, this exhortation was given to people who were in suffering and persecution for their faith. And uh, maybe in your own circumstances, in your own family, that is very real for you. Uh, so I encourage you to continue to read First Peter 3 if you want to get more of that encouragement about what it looks like uh, to be prepared with hope and gracious response in, in the face of persecution and struggle. But this idea of always being prepared with an answer for the story makes me, I don't know if you, if you still have those um, stress dreams of math class in high school. I still have those from time to time. I haven't taken a math class since first year of university and I had to take it and that was the end of it. But I still have these stress dreams about math. I don't know about you, but it feels like sometimes this always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have feels like at any moment, God is going to like be like pop quiz, tell everybody like the five spiritual laws and everything about theology and um, creation and evolution and science and uh, go. 
That's how it feels sometimes. But actually, that's not, that's not what it is really trying to say. Giving an answer for the hope that we have and being prepared to give an answer can be quite simple. And, and we're going to look at that for a few minutes today. See, I think a lot of us also, the reason we aren't prepared with our story is because we think we don't have a story. Uh, we think our story is boring or uninteresting. Um, we aren't often thinking maybe of, of a way to talk about what God has done in our life. But the reality is, we all have a story if we are followers of Jesus. Uh, some of us have very dramatic stories that could be made for TV movies. Uh, some of us have the Hallmark Christmas movie kind of a story. I don't really understand that, but some of you, that's you. And others of us have a very kind of normal story of coming to know Jesus over a long period of time in our life. But I know that everybody in this room who is a follower of Jesus has a story, and your story matters, and it must be told, and you're the only one who can tell it, because it's yours. And it's not about you, right? It's about the one who's the central figure in our story, is about Jesus. See, I believe that for everyone here who's a Christian, God has done something in your life that if you had the chance to tell us what God has done in your life even this year, it would, it would make our hair stand on end. What God has done to be faithful to you, to be gracious to you, to be kind to you, to be loving to you in the midst of your circumstances. I bet the story that you have in your life gives some practical legs and some breath to the truth about God that we find in this text. And so how do we tell our story? Really simply, it's like any story that we've learned about in English class, in school, like any, uh, any story that we enjoy on Netflix. There's a structure that we can use that's really basic, before, during, after, question. So, how to tell your story. Who I was before I met Jesus. You can say that in a sentence or in an hour. How Jesus met me. What that, what that moment looked like in your circumstances. And then what my life looks like now on the other side of that. And then finally, the important one is the question. What do you think? What's the response that the listener might have to what you're talking about? It's a simple structure. Before, during, after, ask a question. How did you meet Jesus? And what has he done in your life lately? There's this story in John chapter 9. We don't have time to read the whole thing. But in John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man who has been blind since the day he was born. And he does this thing where he mixes spit and mud and he puts it on the guy's eyes and he tells him to go and wash in a particular place, in a, in a particular source of water. And the guy is healed of his blindness. And so the religious people cannot figure this out. And this guy, the way he tells his story is perfectly illustrated in this little simple structure I've offered to you. So in John 9, 24 to 27, read the whole thing later by yourself. It's a good one. At 24 it says... A second time that the Pharisees, these religious leaders, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man Jesus is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. And then they asked, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already and you did not listen why do you want to hear it again? Oh, do you want to become his disciples too? There's, 
You can hear the humor in it. You can hear the excitement in it. The sort of, he's getting a little bit tired now because he's repeated his story probably a bunch of times. Even his own parents have, have sort of shoved him forward to answer the questions. They don't want anything to do with it because they're afraid of the religious leaders. But he says, before I was blind, then I met Jesus. He did this thing with the mud and the spit on my eyes. And now I can see. Do you want to become his disciple too? It's as simple as that. This isn't a man who had it all figured out. He basically says to them, hey, you guys work out the religious stuff. You work out the theology. You work out the academics. Those are all fine and good, but I'm just here to tell you my story. And my story speaks for itself. I was blind and now I see. Do you want to come along with me and check this Jesus guy out? So, What's your story? Your story with Jesus, it has to be told. When we tell our stories, just like we've been talking about it this entire series, we've been using a metaphor of stitching and weaving. It's on these images even you can see on the walls here in this auditorium. The stitching and the weaving is about how when we share a piece of our story, what God's doing in our life, it's like a piece of the truth of who God is gets stitched in to the tapestry of somebody else's life. And slowly over time, the more stories someone hears, the more lives that they see changed around them, the more it begins to build a picture of who God is and what he's like. It gives them courage and comfort. It gives them warmth, gives them light, it gives them hope. It gives them something tangible to grab onto. Courage to cash in on a, sorry, courage is and currency to cash in on a difficult day. Author Shauna Nequist, she says, the biggest and mo most beautiful story in the world, the one about God, it deserves better than to be told by the same few voices over and over. The telling of the story of God and who he is in the world is not just for professionals, people who get to stand up here and hold a microphone, people like Pastor John who preaches so well week after week. Of course, it's for all of us to tell. It's for all of us to tell our part of the story of who God is and what he's doing. We're the only one who can tell our own story. When Christ walked amongst us, and in, we're reminded of this even in John 9 with the blind man who can see, he entrusted the story of God to a bunch of regular, average people. And he still today entrusts the telling of the story of God as we like to say, not just good news, the best news in the world. He entrusts it to us. And we have a story. And we need to tell it. So I have a challenge for you. It's the perfect time of year for this. Uh, because it's the end of the year. And people all over, if you're on social media, people all over social media are posting uh, you know, their top nine pictures of the year or they're doing their memories of the year or reflections and things for the year ahead. Maybe if you're on social media, you've seen that. So it's a great opportunity to not be a weirdo and just tell what God has done in your life this year. Go on your phone and type out a little thought about something that God has been faithful to you in this year, something that he has has been uh, loving to you or gracious to you or kind to you. Something maybe in your story that has been hard and he has been with you in the midst of it. Whether you want to post a picture or you want to just write a sentence, you can write a blog, you can, you can turn on your camera if you prefer to just talk and you can film it. I want you to post, I want you to tell your world, your social media world, if you're on social media, 
Tell your story. What has God done in 2018 in your life? Tell people. And would that story then be stitched into theirs? So we're going to move into more stories. We're going to illustrate this through a bunch of stories today. We have three for you. The first one we're going to hear uh, from our Uganda team. We have a partnership in Uganda, and we're going to hear about what God is doing in Uganda. We're going to hear some stories. Then we're going to hear from a woman from our congregation named Heather Bass Meldrum. Heather has been part of our church. She became a Christian when this church was called Steeple Hill, and we were in a building in Pickering long, long ago. And she has been with us through many iterations and moves and physical change, uh, physical moves of our building, and, and she uh, is now out in C4 Bowmanville. And we're also going to have uh, an interview. I'm going to come back up, and we'll do an interview with a couple up here who are part of our church community, and we're going to hear what God has done in their story. So for now, I'm going to turn your eyes to the screens. In October, a team of nine from C4 Church traveled to the country of Uganda, Africa to visit with our global partners there. We partner with iTeams Canada and their Impact Uganda program, which focuses both on supporting vulnerable children and building up Christian leaders to transform communities. The first part of our visit was spent seeing the two new pastoral training centers that were started this year. We met with Pastor Samuel, who leads the center that is located in the slums of the capital city of Kampala. Pastor Benjamin runs the center that is in the far north near the border of Congo. We attended the training and spent time with the students. I admired their faithfulness and the sacrifices many have made to serve God. We asked about the obstacles they experience in ministry, a lack of resources. Imagine trying to prepare a sermon without even owning a Bible. And the biggest obstacle is how many false teachers there are around. They're distorters of the truth and they're taking advantage of the poor. The students we met in the pastoral training program were hungry to grow in their understanding of scripture. And they're so thankful for the opportunity to develop as church leaders. C4 supports this program and it was a privilege to meet some of these students. Our commitment in partnership is to build relationships support financially, and pray. You can pray for the provision of their ministry, pray for protection from persecution, and for God to work, that each trained pastor can increase their reach and the impact they have in their church and community. The second part of our trip was spent serving an organization called Ginger Connection. It's a drop-in center that helps to meet the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of street kids they want to see every child attending their program get off the street and then back home with family where they can receive a proper education and become a positive contributing member of their community. In Uganda, there are thousands of children who are not attending school because of poverty. Many youth are neglected and they're fatherless. 80% of the population is under 30 years old. Well, Jinja Connection is a refuge for the boys. The boys we met are really smart, a lot of them very talented, and almost all of them want to be better. They want to get off the streets. They want to go back to school. At the same time, they're still boys, so there was rough housing, uh, a bit of showboating for us visitors, so much laughter. An amazing thing that happened during our visit was one of the boys was resettled into his family member's home. He was in crisp, clean clothing that day, and all the other boys were paying lots of attention to him, giving him high fives and 
saying their goodbyes and best wishes to him. The team watched the social worker and this young boy head off on their journey back home. It was amazing for us to witness. These boys seeing what their future can hold and to see the staff at Ginger Connection truly caring and they're working hard to resettle these kids. One of our Uganda team members, Daniel, is going to tell you the story of one of the incredible Ginger boys we met. Hey everyone, my name is Daniel and I was on the Uganda team this year. And there are so many stories and people that impacted our team in such a profound way. But there's one that stood out to me and has left a lasting impression that will stay with me for the rest of my life. And this is the story of Ali. Upon our arrival to Uganda, we were walking around a local market looking for trinkets to buy for our families and friends at home. Our friend Allison, the founder and director of Ginger Connection, was our faithful guide through the unfamiliar foreign market. With all the different people selling so many beautiful products, we were in need of a guide and Allison advised that we wait until we met her friend, Allie. She told us that Allie was a local artist and had handcrafted many of the items that we wanted and he would sell it to us at a better price. Allie was a fresh-faced, bright-eyed, warm, stylish, and talented boy. But we didn't know the whole story behind this warm first impression yet. Later on, Allie shared more of his details of his story with me. I learned that Allie was one of the very first boys to ever walk into Ginger Connection. And before Allie found Ginger Connection, he was forced out of his home because of the abuse that he experienced. When asked where his mother and father were, he simply responded, they're gone. Ali moved into a relative's home before he was forced out due to situations of extreme abuse. Ali was homeless for eight years and needed a place of shelter and safety, and he found that safety in the hearts and walls of Ginger Connection. But the road to happiness and health was not an easy road from there. Allison still remembers the two days straight where Ali spent sweating profusely, crying, and shaking while detoxing from the addiction of sniffing glue. Ali, like many other children that live on the streets of Uganda and developing nations, had this addiction. Sniffing glue would get him through the day, would put him to sleep, numbed his senses, and was cheaper and more accessible than a proper meal. Against all this, Ali persevered against the pain and the history to find a new life through the ministry of Ginger Connection. The story of Ali is one that is made possible through the yes of Allison. A young woman who was simply dedicated and decided that what she witnessed on the streets of Uganda was unacceptable, moving her to take action on behalf of street youth. Over the course of the next few years, Ali went through the programs that are offered at Ginger Connection, where he learned about Jesus Christ, the value of how he was created to be, and was given the needed tools to work hard and make a life for himself. Ginger Connection provided that avenue for Ali to realize who he was in Christ, to get him off the streets and into a safe home of his own. Ali is now 20 years old, working to pay his own way through life, developed many of his talents and skills through items purchased at the market, and is now engaging fully in his faith. And Ali never forgets where he came from. He serves at Ginger Connection twice a week and is still involved in caring for the homeless boys in the surrounding areas. And my personal favorite part of Ali's story is that for him, it's just the beginning of the rest of this young man's very bright life. Thank you for your support, your prayers, and giving to C4 to allow us to partner with these ministries in Uganda. We are part of seeing transformation in Jesus' name.
Hi, my name is Heather. My husband is Jay and we have three kids and we've just moved to C4 Church in Bowmanville. So in the early 90s, I started going to Steeple Hill. I was invited out with a friend and progressively just started to go more and more. My progression to faith really was a reasoning. I'm very logical. So it was a lot of reasoning. Um, did Jesus make sense? Um, a lot of things didn't sit well with me uh, as I thought about death and what came after. Uh, it really was just asking questions and listening. And so even when I heard things that I didn't like, I didn't just discard it. It was kind of working through that. It was a few years of, of um, saying, is this true? So for me, my biggest thing was uh, if I decided this was true, I was leaving my family behind, uh, which is a really big thing for me. So I think just that idea of what comes after and heaven and hell and Jesus is the only way um, was a big thing. And I was like 13 and 14 trying to wrestle with, is this the truth? Uh, the linchpin for me, I went to Muskoka Woods on a snowflake retreat. And I remember the Saturday night or Sunday morning, they had just a worship time. And I was watching all of these teenagers worship. Um, and I just remember I had this physical thirst, like I've never experienced that before. And it was literally, I felt like I hadn't had water in days. Uh, and the Lord just said to me, they have something you don't have. I came home and my life, I decided even though I couldn't answer and reconcile everything, I knew God had revealed himself to me. So, so the highlights of my time um, at C4 and Ajax was a serving, serving in youth ministry um, for years and then just getting married and I have children now. Uh, shortly after we got married, my mom started coming out and she actually went to Bethel Baptist in the city at Victoria Park and Kingston Road in 1954, early 50s, uh, which was the roots of C4 Church. Well, I think there's no coincidence that God placed my mom in a church that her daughter ended up being in. Years later, with no connection in all of those years in between. Um, so it's really interesting to me that God, he leaves our stories and, and her history is part of our history. Everyone, I want you to meet Matt and Karen Fritz. Let's welcome them to the stage. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, thanks for being with us here. We want to hear a little bit about your story. And so tell us first, how did you come to us here at C4? How did you find us? You go ahead. Um, well, we lived in Whippy uh, before we moved up to Little Britain area, and we did frequent uh, C4 here, and we... Kind of snuck in the back and sat up in the balcony and uh, left before the service was completely done. We were sort of kind of hiding out a little bit. Yeah, what was going on in your life that you were coming to church, but you weren't, you were kind of needing to hide, you needed some space? Right. Yeah, we had uh, been involved in, in ministry, and I think probably we're in a time of burnout. And so just we're not wanting to really uh, engage with, with people too much. You talk about burnout. What were some things going on sort of in your life at the time? Yeah, go ahead. I think just um, not being able to let go of the hurts and the pain and um, just kind of slowly withdrawing, withdrawing and not ready to open up and trust again. Yeah. 
and uh, just, you know, still dialoguing with God, but keeping a distance. Right, right. And so uh, you moved uh, from Whitby up to, in my mind, the far north, which is Little Britain. <laughs> yes. Right. And suddenly you, you had a connection to C4 in Port Perry there. Yes. So we actually saw it on Facebook. Um, one of my relatives was involved there, and I said to Matt, I said, let's, let's just go. Let's just check it out. We'll just, you know, go see what's happening there. And we did, and we walked in, and we really enjoyed the service. And uh, th it was the Connect Sunday to go sign up for a Connect group. And there were some instructions before we left home, which was, don't sign anything. Don't give them any information, because you know they're going to be after you for something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a guy thing, right, guys? Yeah, you, well, it's true. At, ch at church, we are happy to take your information and connect yeah. you to the things you would like to be connected to. <laughs> uh, but you did, actually. Did. You, the, you The plan and the car ride on the way to church changed once you were there at church. Yeah. And we actually ended up meeting our neighbor down the road, and I thought, this would be a great opportunity. He's hosting a home group. Let's go. I asked him, you know, do we have to commit for the whole term? He's like, no, no, just come, just come. So we did. And got to know them, and we actually got to know some lovely people. And I think it was at that point that um, we really started to be loved back to life. And slowly our defenses came down, and we were able to share our story. Um, they were able to share their story. And knowing that you had someone praying for you week after week, we were praying for each other and just starting to see growth starting to see a little bit of life happening yeah and and so since then obviously life has changed a lot I'm jumping lot. forward in your story um, you're involved in all kinds of ways now here at C4 and particularly in, in Port Perry yes. uh, tell us tell us what you what are you involved with here now at C4 well um we got involved in Restoration Prayer and found, along with Connect, that Restoration Prayer was a vital part of, uh, you know, getting closer to God and really digging in with Him and having that opportunity to take some of that baggage that we had been carrying and, and offload that and really digging in with people. And so we're doing that. Also, we're involved in uh, prayer ministry and uh, Connect Coaches up in Port. Yeah, so what I'm hearing you say is the, uh, you, after going through, you know, an experience of connect group and restoration prayer for yourselves, mm -hmm. uh, now those are the very ministries that you're serving to do that very same freedom and hope and connection yes. for other people. Exactly. Yeah. And I was going to say, can you tell us about Alpha? Yes. So uh, in that time, uh, there was the Toronto campaign for Alpha and um, had been praying for a lot of our coworkers. But being, they were being of the uh, Hindu f uh, religion, so it's harder to connect and really be able to share the gospel. So this Alpha, we, we decided, let's run an Alpha. We thought we were believing for four people, and 55 people showed up and attended and stayed all the way through the whole course, and it just laid such a beautiful foundation of, of Christianity so that after that, we could actually engage with them and talk about them and even pray with some people. And as I'd mentioned, we were able to pray with one gal who had pinched nerves in her neck, and, and God healed her. So 
Wow. So you prayed for four to come to Alpha and 55. Where did you host? Where did you put all these people in your, do you have a room in your factory big enough for them In the lunchroom. Oh, in the lunchroom. And done between two shifts. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, you you split it up over two. So we actually had to run it two times, 11 and six o'clock. Wow. Wow. And you've seen, as you said, just there's a long-term thing that's happening there in your relationships with yeah. with the people who work there. And a softening of hearts to one another, and we were able to just connect on more of a, a heart-to-heart basis rather than, oh, how's your job running on your machine? You know, and, and they were able to share, you know, some difficulties in their families and things like that. So it's it's opened those doors and opportunities. Yeah, so as you're... Moving from the balcony to the don't sign up for anything, don't give them our contact information, yeah. communications director is going to spam you with all the emails. Uh, what, uh, what, is, what is the thing really out of scripture that's been pushing you out of hiding and, and into getting more connected and involved? Right. I had, uh, on a couple of occasions, somebody give me a scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11 to 14, and say, you know, I really believe that this is for you, God told me. And that whole idea in there of seeking God with your whole heart and the promise of God that he's for you, he's a good God, he wants to prosper you and build you up. And, and really taking that to heart and really putting that into practice and going for God with everything, you know, that really is a game changer, I would say. Wow. Say again, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 14. Okay. Uh, and and in, last question for you, what would you say to others who are in that place that you were in? Maybe they're feeling burnt out, tired, they're feeling um, maybe some bitterness, or they're struggling with church, they feel disconnected, they are hiding or coming in and out. I, I would say um, the risk is worth it, mm-hmm. you know, to connect. That's where the body does its work, and yeah. we, we really help one another. That, it's a team thing. And others have things that you need in your life. Others had things that I needed in my life and really helped to spur me on to those changes that were desperately needed where God was leading me in my story. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Let's stand together. We're going to pray and move into our time of worship. Let me pray for you and pray for everyone who's, uh, who's, who's with us today. Well, Father, we thank you that you are with us that you don't give up, that you're so gracious and so patient, that you, uh, you take us from the shadows into glorious light because you are light. You are the light of the world. So we pray uh, for those who are struggling, um, that they would be encouraged by the stories we've heard today, that you would fill us with your light and your life, the best news that you have come for us at Christmas. We pray... Uh, for the frets as we just bless them in their ministry, their prayer ministry here at C4, uh, and also in their, in their workplace, this factory that they run, uh, that you would do profound and miraculous things more and more in the lives of these people. Increase their love for the people who work for them. Uh, that you would, uh, uh, we would get to tell more and more stories of what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's sing together. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.